For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to This Week Explained. I am Tiana. And I'm Kervin. And today we will be discussing the big geopolitical events of the week. But first of all, our illustrious host, <laughs> Kervin, has been making the podcasting rounds this week. Is there anything that we can look forward to? Uh, so first, I just wanted to thank those guys who are doing the podcast. So I want to thank Hugo, who's from the UK. He was gracious enough to have me on his podcast. And uh, we actually discussed a lot of current events and geopolitics. Um, and it was it was a very fun conversation because I, I kind of got to get a perspective from the British side um, and, and how it's different from how we view geopolitics in the US. Yeah, of course. Um, and then after that, I, st- I went on Graham Plaster's podcast. So he had me on mm-hmm. his um, and I know everybody who's listening knows that Graham came on our podcast, Insightful Inquiries, yeah. where yeah. we discussed, you know, just a myriad of topics. But for Graham's podcast, it was more focused on like the entrepreneurial journey and how you got to where you are and with the company and things like that. So I kind of told my story, the, you know, the journey from childhood up until starting the company and <laughs> It's it's kind of cathartic to do that, but I understand it's kind of vulnerable as well. Um, but I think <laughs> I think it came out uh, really good. He he was just awesome and had great questions, and was just great about guiding the well, conversation. Can you get to when they're going to be released so we can listen to them, sir? Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so um, now they're both on on all the podcatchers like Spotify and Apple. YouTube will have it as well. But um, this week with Hugo is set to drop. Uh, we're recording this on Friday, September 23rd. Um, mm-hmm. This week with Hugo is supposed to drop today. I haven't seen it up yet. But, um, but as that episode releases, you'll be mm-hmm. able to listen to that. Um, and then the Graham Plaster podcast is going to release at the end of this month. And then shouldn't you mention that other podcast that's coming out in November? Oh, yes. So um, I did a podcast with uh, with the Fiasco podcast group, and they're doing an entire deep dive into Anwar Al-Awlaki, who was a Yemeni and, and U.S. citizen. He was the mm-hmm. first known U.S. citizen to be killed in a drone strike. Um, I was... Uh, being that I, my job at the time was with drones and, and doing drone strikes for the U.S. military, um, I had some participation in that. And so they, we sat down for like five hours and just discussed <laughs> everything that went on in that situation. And, and that should come out this November. Um, and it should yeah. be. You um, recorded you that a long time ago, right? Uh, April, May time frame. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been a while. And, but and they had so, to produce it and everything. Right. Because um, if you don't know what Fiasco is, if you do know the Serial podcast, uh, which is getting a lot of hype now for what, what happened recently. Yeah. Um, Fiasco is very similar to Serial. So, okay. 
that's something that's highly, very highly produced. And, yeah. and these are all journalists, very, very skilled journalists that are putting these out. So it is a great podcast to listen to. Awesome. All right. Well, you can link those podcasts in the show notes so that people can check them out as they okay. come out, right? Sure um, will. We need to get to it. What is on your radar this week? All right. Russia, Ukraine, obviously. And this was a huge week for Russia, Ukraine. We'll get into that. We'll also discuss how the U.S. is taking a uh, leading role on rallying world leaders um, against Russia. From there, we're going to update the Armenian-Azerbaijan conflict. And then um, the big news this week that everybody I'm sure is watching is how um, the Iranian women are protesting the, the death of a young woman in, yeah. and, while she was in custody, in police custody. And, it was uh, a one-hour educational class about the hijab. Yeah, that's what they said. Was it? Well, something like and that. We'll get into all of the misinformation coming out from the Iranian government and the police. Yeah, yeah. On what happened there, and it is a tragedy. It is um, so heartbreaking. Uh, once we're, we'll shift over from that tragedy to talk about an interesting report from the Washington Post. Um, about a U.S. spy operation that's been manipulating social media. Ooh, that's a it's a very interesting story. And then I have some um, I've got some problems with it that I'll discuss when we get into that. <laughs> and this week's histories, misinformation, mysteries is going to deal with the Great Moon hoax, which is a very interesting story. Okay, so what is the big news coming out of the war in Ukraine? So I, f I feel like every week over the last couple of months, we've mentioned that the war in Ukraine has turned a corner or is yeah. on, on the, the precipice of disaster. Um, last The last few weeks, we talked about successful counteroffensive operations by Ukraine. Um, and we took some time during those episodes to kind of caution everyone's celebration for a Ukrainian victory. Well, and, duh. and so, yeah, and, and this week proves why we we're cautious about it mm -hmm. because um, now Russian President Putin is looking to turn the tides back in Russia's favor by, uh, first of all, declaring a partial mobilization of military reservists mm -hmm. and then warning Ukraine and the world that if Russia is, uh, is threatened, it will use nuclear weapons. Well, how close is Putin to using his nuclear arsenal against Ukraine? So I'm going to say he is... <laughs> Pretty close. And He's desperate. He's a cat in a corner. Yep. Terrifyingly close. And just like you said, and it's something that we, we talk about all the time, the cat in the corner. And so once once you're once he's in the corner, he's going to use nuclear weapons. Um so when I spoke to the media about Putin's options, you know, I put the the option or I put the probability at just above fifty percent. I was probably about fifty to sixty percent. Um you know, because I considered the using a false flag operation on the Zaporizhia nuclear power station as a more plausible first strike, which um, recent reports this week out of Poland are that iodine tablets are being distributed to the population because they're concerned about the fighting that's going on around that nuclear power plant. You know, um, the, the ramped up rhetoric from Russian leaders does leave me a little concerned about the nuclear weapons. So what are other Russian leaders saying? 
Well, uh, Russian deputy chair of the Security Council of the Russian Federation and former president Dmitry Medvedev said this week that any Russian weapons, including nuclear, can be used to defend territories admitted to Russia. Now, <sighs> the key word is, um, is admitted because, so he said the territories admitted to Russia. Now, today, uh, those territories um, in Russia that Russia was holding or is holding are mm-hmm. doing a referendum. They're voting uh, in, a, in what the U.S. is calling a sham referendum. Yeah. To be a part of Russia. And those are the Luhansk, Donetsk, Kherson, and Zaporizhia regions. So if any of those regions are attacked, let's say in a planned counteroffensive by Ukraine, Russia could theoretically use nuclear weapons. Correct. Um, And it just Mm. proves what you and I have said from the very start of this war. Putin is not going to stop until he holds Ukraine or until he is killed. Well, all I know is all those people in Russia aren't too happy about being, you know, conscripted into service and so forth. Not at all. Yeah. No. Now, it, it's hard for me to believe um, there aren't any assassination attempts being planned for Putin. Are the Russian people any closer to a new leader or... So I don't have, you know, I always like to have the evidence and like concrete evidence. I don't want to go off of mis, I definitely don't want to go off of misinformation. So yeah, I'm not saying that I, I, I just I was wondering, you know. Yeah. And, and like I said, I don't have the concrete evidence, but you know, if I did know this stuff, Putin would already know and those people would already be dead. Yeah, um, he's been killing people left and so, right lately, so right? So there we like go. Push them down the stairs and, and having them fall off boats. <laughs> yep. And so there have been, like you just said, multiple mysterious deaths of some very high up leaders over yeah. the course of this invasion. Like, let, let's get it out there. Like who? Okay. Let's um, start naming some people. So recently we had the former head of the Moscow Aviation Institute who died after falling down, quote, several flights of stairs. Hmm. Now, he was a close Putin ally and a prominent government scientist. Um, you know, before that, the body of business of businessman Ivan Petorin was reportedly mm-hmm. found dead in um, the city of Vladivostok, and his cause of death was identified as a drowning. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um then bef- even before that, which was at the beginning of this month, the month of September, uh, chairman of Russia's second largest oil producer was found dead after falling from the window of a hospital in Moscow. Uh, I don't know too many I... people who fall out of hospital windows on accident. Yeah, right. Uh, but <laughs> I am going to put a link in the show notes with this <clears throat> running list of prominent Russian deaths. Were these individuals plotting against Putin or just not like backing him up to the degree that he wanted? Man, great question. I like that. Uh, Now that remains to be seen, but um, it could be that. It could be that they were plotting against Putin. It could be like you said, they just weren't in agreement um, with Putin. Which we know he throws, he pitches fits every single time people don't agree with him. So. And it, it also could be that it's, you know, there's another faction that is inching their way towards Putin and they're killing oh. these people off. But, <gasps> oh, that's true. They're trying to take out all the people that would have his back. Exactly. And so this Make is all speculation. 
Yeah, this I, is speculation. This isn't yeah. facts, okay? We're just going off on a tangent, just yes. imagining. Okay. Um, well. And we don't, I don't know. We don't know. And only time will tell. Yeah. Well, then let's discuss what the U.S. leader, President Joe Biden, is doing to rally world leaders. Okay, so an interesting development is happening um, on multiple levels at the U.N. Yeah. General Assembly this week. Um, mm. Now, what's interesting about this is uh, Biden was set to make a speech calling on world leaders to do more to support Ukraine and to caution Russia against annexing parts of Ukraine. Then, as Putin does, he uh, pops up before that speech can be made and declared a partial mobilization and threatened nuclear attacks. That made Biden's speech writing team sort of tweak his speech to then speak directly to Putin. So what are the takeaways from this speech? All right, so first of all, Biden kicked off his remarks by condemning the Russian invasion of Ukraine um, as an unjustified act of aggression. He said right. specifically, and here's a quote from, from his speech, the United States wants this war to end on just terms, on terms we are all signed up for, that you cannot seize a nation's territory by force. Just because um, you feel like it. <laughs> exactly. And I'm going to I'm going to say that uh, I won't speak for Tiana, but I'm sure she'll mm -hmm. agree with this. We agree with that statement. Um, yeah. We're living in a society now where you cannot seize a nation's territory by force. Yeah. Um, we have progressed past that, people. Yeah. Now, he also, so Biden also mentioned that countries should use their veto power within the UN sparingly, which is something that Russia and China have, uh, they've been using their veto power all the time. Whenever they either one of them is being condemned or somebody that they're associated with is being condemned. But, you know, also Biden says use that veto power sparingly. But the U.S. uses it when Israel, who's a close ally of the U.S., is under attack. So it's kind of everybody needs to stop using veto powers. Well, I'm glad that Biden was able to keep his um, brain focused enough to deliver oh. this speech and have it not sound like gibberish. Well, good speech writing group will do that for you. <laughs> well, I know, but it, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just I'm just glad. Yeah. And that's kind of a and it was but it was a great it was a it was a powerful speech um and yeah and I think it it hit all the good points and there's stuff that we didn't talk about where he called out China and um and he called for the UN to come together well I'm glad they're finally taking a stance on hard lines on things you know yep okay so there aren't any calls to overthrow Putin's regime in this fabulous speech no there wasn't even a mention of it um well now, it Understandable, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was going to say it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, um, but it also kind of confirms that Biden was speaking off the cuff when he said in March. Here's a quote from him in March: "For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power." Yeah, that was definitely off the cuff. Yeah, for sure. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, well, 
Here's a question for you. Okay. If Russia does use a tactical nuclear missile, which you have stated could be used in a way to not impact the civilian population, yep. would the United States and NATO get involved militarily? Well, uh, so according to Russia, the U.S. and NATO are involved militarily. Um, okay. Because Putin and other leaders have stated this this week. I mean, they've stated this the whole time, but this week. Yeah. They said any country offering any support to Ukraine is involved militarily and Russia can retaliate. Then does Russia retaliate against, let's say, Germany before any other country actually puts boots on the ground? Now, that's a fantastic question. Uh, but yeah. I, I, you, you, <laughs> you bring up a very good point, um, but I got to do more research on that yeah. because honestly, I do not know. I will say that my initial gut reaction is that he would do that. Mm -hmm. But I also think that things would have to be in dire straits for Putin to actually do that. I think we're getting pretty close to dire straits for him since he didn't want to mobilize the, co that, the country because he knew that it was going to be so unpopular. And just like he thought, they aren't happy with him, even less enthralled with him. <laughs> Oh, yes. If you've been following our company Instagram account, you've seen the protesters in Russia mm -hmm. that have been just all over the place. Um, yeah. Now, I do hope that everyone listening does understand why we are saying Putin's name and, mm -hmm. and not saying Russia or, you know, Moscow or, or the Russian people. Yeah. That's because Vladimir Putin started this conflict. One man started this. Mm -hmm. And now the Russian people are suffering along with Ukraine and the rest of Europe, for that matter. I would say one man started it, but a bunch of yes men kind of yeah. fed into it for him. <laughs> yeah, uh, we can call those people out, too. You you bring up a great point. Yeah, because, um, I mean, he had to have people backing him for this to happen. But people had he, to agree to some to some. Oh, yeah. Now, the the. Military personnel from Russia, they have to do this. Yeah. They, they have to be yes men. Yeah. I'm not talking about the generals. I'm talking about boots on the ground, people suffering and dying. Yeah. Um, for a country they love. Uh, the Russian people love their country. Yeah. And they, they are fantastic people. And, and I'm, I'm not calling them out. I'm going to call Vladimir Putin and his leadership. His cronies. His cronies. <laughs> <laughs> well... <clears throat> There are all these conflicts that are popping yep. up. You mentioned Turkey and Greece a few weeks back, for yeah, instance. That one, that one seems to have quieted down a bit. Oh, thank yep. God for small favors. Yeah, bless their hearts. Yeah. Okay, so what about Azerbaijan and Armenia? Okay, well, so this week U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken hosted foreign ministers of Armenia, of Armenia and Azerbaijan. And this was after a ceasefire was agreed to last week. So while there are still a few skirmishes here and there, it does mm -hmm. seem to have quieted down a bit. Um, however, both countries have stated they have rights to the lands in question. Right. Um, so this is not the end of this conflict unless, like comedian John Mulaney once said in his Netflix special, it won't stop unless everyone gets really cool about a bunch of stuff really quickly. <laughs> well, I like John Mulaney, and that quote always makes me laugh. Uh, yeah. 
anyways, I would like you to explain what's going on in Iran. The videos that are coming out of that country are inspiring and terrifying and heartbreaking that it had to that this happened at all. Yeah. And and as we always try to do, we're going to start from the top. Okay, well, that would be with Miss Masa Amini, the young woman who died in police custody, right? Yeah, that is correct. Um, and if listeners want to do a deep dive, I highly recommend the BBC's website mm-hmm. because they they do a very they do such a fantastic job of explaining the timeline. Because you have to they understand do. the yeah, you have to understand yeah. the history. Yeah. Um, but I am going to try. I'm not BBC. I'm not that great. I'm going to try to hit all the major points. Um, so it's it started with the death last week of 22-year-old Masa Amini, who was arrested in Tehran by morality police. Okay, so morality police. Can you explain what morality police do and yeah, what they um, are? So they are, de- they are a dedicated unit that enforces strict dress codes for women. Because such- just women have a strict dress code. This is this is very true. Um, and that that dress code goes the runs the gamut of wearing of the hijab, which is the fa- the cover head scarf head covering. Yes, but it, it also talks about other forms of dress in which you can and cannot show. Of course. Now, after Amini's death, protests began at her funeral, um, in which. Uh, so that funeral happened in Iran's Kurdistan province. Mm-hmm. They then quickly swept through much of the country. And that led to clashes with security forces you know, trying to, to quell those protests. They had to have the, they, you know, because she was Muslim, didn't they have to bury her within 24 hours of her passing? Is yes, and it it's very interesting because her father said that as soon as she died, they, yeah. you know, as soon as she passed away, they wrapped her. Yeah. And did not let the family see her and see what sort of actions happened to her body. See the injuries. Yep. And all, oh my gosh. He did well, say he saw her feet and they were very bruised and you could tell there was a lot of trauma there. <clears throat> well, I read that the Iranian police stated she died of heart failure. Like she just had a heart incident. Yeah. Um, you know? So you read correctly. That's what the Iranian police put out. Um, and, and while there are reports that officers beat Ms. Amini's head with a baton and banged her head against one of their vehicles, um, the police have said there is no evidence of any mistreatment and that she suffered, like you said, sudden heart failure. <sighs> However, um, I do like to do both sides of the story. And she mm-hmm. was sent to a hospital and remained in a coma for three days before dying, which I'm not a doctor, but, you know, being in a coma for three days, that doesn't sound like complications from just heart failure to me. I, this is making my skin crawl I know. so much. It's, it's such a difficult topic. And then the family wasn't even allowed to go upstairs into the hospital to see her then either, right? They, they were had, not, no. Okay. Um, so, <sighs> So what happened? What did she do that made the police believe that they could do this to her? Okay, so she was accused of violating the law requiring women to cover their hair with a hijab. Um, And also she she was not wearing um, the loose clothing that would cover her arms and legs. So that's it? She just didn't wear what they considered to be proper attire? 
Yeah. Um, so Iran has a very strict, uh, has been a very strict and, in my opinion, atrocious country for women since mm-hmm. the Iranian Revolution, also known as the Islamic Revolution of Iran in yeah. the 1970s. Now, before the 1970s or before 1979, it was a secular state that was implemented by a U.S. puppet regime. Um, so in 1979, it went from a secular state to an extremely conservative Islamic state. Okay. Now, um, that's that's why we're talking about proper attire for women. Um, okay. Now, the Iran Human Rights Group has reported that at least 31 civilians have been killed over the first six days of unrest. And then all of this is coming off the heels of Iranian President Raisi preparing for his speech at the UN General Assembly. All right. Like, he's making a speech this week. Yep. Um. Did, wait, did he make the speech? Uh, he, he did. Do it, yet? it on Wednesday. Oh, okay. So, okay. So, how did that go? Well, it was a lot of the same. You know, blame the West and Israel for all the world's troubles uh, while also right. stating... He did state Iran wants to work with all nations, which mm-hmm. obviously can't happen when you call for the annihilation of some of those countries. And also, he says he wants to work with all nations, but he means he wants them to all do what he wants yeah. them to do. Yeah, that's... Like, <laughs> it's, it's not about, like, everybody coming together, coming up with some sort of equitable resolution oh. to everything. It's about what Iran wants. You know, different no, I mean... speech, same, same rhetoric. It's not yeah. surprising, honestly. Did he mention the protests at all? Well, he did say that Iran has freedom of expression, mm-hmm. uh, but he said the protests happening now are unacceptable acts of chaos. Um, right. He also said that he had ordered a probe into the death of Miss Amini. Um, now, like I said before, Miss Amini's father has said the family has received no communication from the government, police, yeah. or any hospital staff with right. any information on her death. Of course, this because he's just saying the words. He doesn't actually plan on following up. Exactly. Um, it's <laughs> like you said. It's rhetoric. It's not actually it's good. It's not actually. Base. It's basically just to like quell everything outside of Iran because right. he probably has some other plan in line to deal with those people. Yeah, and it's it's a remains a very tragic story, um, yeah. but it's one. Um, I, for one, hope starts a new revolution for women in Iran. Yeah, I agree. I mean, from the videos I've seen, it looks like the women of Iran want change. It does. Um, Now, should we get into this report from the Washington Post about the Pentagon's review of its influence operations using Facebook and Twitter? Ugh, this is going to... Yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. And I also want to get into why I think it's hilarious that the Washington Post is broadcasting this as some investigative win for their news organization. <laughs> Please explain that statement while I get some popcorn. Okay, should I wait for a second? Let's... Well, you're gonna have to wait for at least three minutes. Okay, <laughs> so, so just okay. keep listening and I'll talk it through. All right. All right. So first, um, I'll start with the breaking news this week that the Pentagon opened an extensive review of its clandestine psychological operations. 
this was now the Pentagon doesn't just do this. So this was after personnel from major social media companies identified and took offline fake accounts suspected of being run by the U.S. military, which is in violation of the platform's rules. All right. Well, that's a pretty damning report. Why do you find the report hilarious? I find it very concerning. Well, it is very concerning. But the reason I'm bringing uh, this story to light and calling out the Washington Post is because the original investigation possibly started and was highlighted by the British news site The Guardian 11 (gasps) years ago. So The Guardian, a British news site, brought this same story up 11 years ago, and we are just now hearing about it? Okay, so that's that's not entirely true, and I apologize for misleading you and the audience. Um, so what, what The Guardian highlighted 11 years ago was that the U.S. military's, quote, sock puppet software created fake online identities to spread pro-American propaganda. Um, oh, that's that, creepy. It, very creepy. And, and that software was developed by a Cal- Californian corporation 11 years ago. And now the Pentagon seems to be reviewing its operation, even though there is no way they didn't know this was happening over the last 11 years. Yeah, they are lying. The government is always experimenting and doing oh, things. Yeah. Ugh, okay. But it's just to like determine how they can manipulate everybody best. Yes. Anyways, um, news moves slow at the Pentagon, I suppose. Well, news in the U.S. moves at the rate the Pentagon chooses, is what I think. Yeah, Yeah, very true. Anything we should be concerned about um, with this bot farm? Okay, so that depends. Uh, Do you enjoy pro-American propaganda? I want a realistic view on everything. I want to see both sides. I'm not like all in on, oh, America's the greatest country in the whole world. Well, then you should be very worried. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay, um, that's great. <clears throat> I will say there's nothing to worry about with the um, the traction that was gained because the social media companies found that mm-hmm. these pretend personas didn't actually gain much traction at all. Well, people aren't going out there and just adding everyone like they used to do on MySpace. On MySpace, you just go on there and you'd add everybody. It didn't matter if you actually knew them or not. And people don't really do that anymore. So why would they add bots? Can can you describe for our younger listeners what a MySpace is? No. Okay. <laughs> I've already like divulged my age just by stating my usage of MySpace. That's all they need to know. I'm old. Okay. All right. Let's get back to the story then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So what are some of the propaganda statements being utilized? All right. So this summer, there was a lot of obviously anti-Russia narratives. Yeah. Um, that did little to combat the Russian bots who were posting pro-Russian propaganda. Okay. Now, one fake account posted an inflammatory tweet claiming that um, this had to deal with Afghanistan, and they claimed that relatives of deceased Afghan refugees had reported bodies being returned from Iran with missing organs. Um, that That tweet also linked to a video, but that video was part of an article posted on a U.S. military affiliated website. All right, so now what are we supposed to trust? Um, on the internet, nothing. Okay. But, so verify everything through research. And when I say research, not YouTube. Oh, okay. Well, 
This seems like a great time to get into history's misinformation mysteries. You mentioned something about the moon hoax. Are we talking about faking the moon landing? Now, that is a great conspiracy theory to get into. Maybe one day we can do a deep dive in that. Mm -hmm. This actually predates the moon landing. Um, Oh. I find this story much wilder than uh, most of the current misinformation going around. All right. Another old tale of misinformation. Hit me with it. Here we go. So as I said, this predates the moon landing. It actually started in 1835. Oh, wow. When a series of six articles announced the supposed discovery of life on the moon. (gasps) And that appeared in the New York Sun newspaper. That's so exciting. (laughs) So first, how reputable was the New York Sun at the time? Um, The Sun was, uh, and they called it at the time, a penny press. Oh. That meant it only cost a penny to buy. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was kind of very popular with the working class. It let poor individuals read the news. But it dealt mainly in crime reporting. And it was also the first paper to hire a police reporter. So did it fabricate crimes or anything? Not that I could find, but what is really fascinating about the great moon. People were desperate enough back then that they didn't need to fabricate crime. (laughs) And it was very, it was a very popular paper because first of all, it cost a penny. Yeah. It dealt with what we all love. You know, we like to read about crime, true crime. Yeah. But what's fascinating about this is that the articles in the Sun were supposedly reprinted from the Edinburgh Journal of Science? Um, oh, that journal has been selected by uh, scholars as being a culturally important journal to this day. Oh, wow! Now, the, the byline of the article was attributed to a Dr. Andrew Grant, who's described as a colleague of Sir John Herschel, who was a famous astronomer of that day. Now, Herschel had traveled to Cape Town, South Africa in January 1834 to set up an, ob- a, an observatory with this powerful new telescope they had developed. Okay. Now, as Grant described in, a, in the articles, Herschel had found evidence of life forms on the moon. And I listen up to this because okay. he described such fantastic animals as unicorns. Oh, right. Two-legged beavers. Two-legged beavers, bipeds, love yeah. it. And also furry-winged humanoids resembling bats. Oh. Now, the uh, the articles all offered vivid descriptions of the moon's geography, um, and that was complete with massive craters, enormous crystals, uh, rushing rivers, and lush vegetation. And obviously no one can dispute that because it's not At like everyone time. has access to a powerful telescope. Correct. So how in the world did this get published? So it is assumed that it was published originally as satire, uh, but readers were completely fooled by the story and failed to recognize it as a satire. And listen, I'm I'm not talking about common folk. Mm-hmm. You know, that's who the penny presses were geared towards. Um, the articles fooled a committee of Yale University scientists uh. who traveled to New York in search of those journal articles. Oh, wow. Um, But then on September 16th, 1835, the Sun admitted the articles had been a hoax. I'm bummed Um, about that. Yeah, that there aren't any unicorns on the moon. No unicorns, no biped beavers. Like, 
would that get you to come to space with me? No, I'm good. Um, I'm good here. Okay. I'm, good. I'm still good. Sorry. I was going to try to make like, it. <laughs> I don't like flying in regular airplanes, and you're still trying to push this space thing on me. <laughs> I'm going to get you up there. No, I'm not going to say never, because as we say here at Oakland Analytics, never <laughs> say never. <laughs> never say, oh, please don't. Never say never, ever. Now, um, like I said, they 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 released that it was a hoax, um, and it very quickly, I mean, it was a few months, and then they admitted it was a hoax, but, you know, I thought that this was uh, something great to highlight uh, how satirical news sites like the onion and the Babylon B can yeah. be an unwitting force in misinformation. Yeah. Um, and, and this happens a lot, you know, when we search out for those articles that confirm our inherent bias. So if we do that, we kind of believe headlines like quote, police apologize for tasing innocent man. They meant to shoot <laughs> or <laughs> quote, Disney chooses bald actress to play Rapunzel in live action remake. So are you going on record today stating that there are no unicorns or bat humans on the moon? You said you weren't going to come into space and see come on the moon yeah. if yeah. if it was I mean, true. Well, yeah, I did say that. Okay. Well, then okay. I'll, I'll say this. Okay. There is no verifiable evidence of either unicorns or bat humans or a population of 4.1 billion moon humans. Is that what they said? They said there was 4.1 billion moon humans on there yes. too? Yep. There was actually wow. a, a highly regarded scientist that stated there are a conspiracy theory of 4.1 billion at the time. So this is 1800s. It could be yeah. 10 billion by now. Oh, yeah. And once that evidence does come out, we are going to be the first Right. To report it in a live podcast. Right. Um, as the world devolves into complete chaos. Yeah. <laughs> and until then, we're going to keep doing these reported, these recorded episodes on geopolitics. Well, dang, I was hoping for some breaking news. When are oh, the moon sorry. humans going to invade? Oh, I heard a cat. Your cat <laughs> is here. <laughs> well, you know, I was hoping for breaking some news, but that's okay. Is there anything else for this week? Eloise, you got anything? No? Okay. Okay. Uh, well, after that, I think we are out of time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right. Well, as always, if you like this show, please try to tell at least one person about us. We can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a moment, head over to Apple or Spotify and give us a five-star review because those help us get noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And as always, if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, please subscribe to our community at oakwindanalytics.com. Tiana, thank you so much. And until next week, stay safe out there. <laughs>